Welcome to the Way to Wellbeing podcast, where we explore a structured approach to well-being through the cultivation of mindfulness. This is Matthew Aldridge, and I am a mindfulness student. And I'm Barbara Newell, a mindfulness teacher. Today, we wanted to explore the emotion of fear. Obviously, with everything that's going on with coronavirus, we all are feeling a bit of fear, anxiety, and just overall sense of concern about the future. So with that, Barbara, how do we manage this situation? Mm. Yeah, fear is such a universal experience of us as human beings and even as mammals and perhaps other other animal species as well. I, I'm not a biologist, but uh, it's it's certainly universal for us as human beings. And um, I, I've, my personal experience with mindfulness is that it's an ideal set of skills and practices for, for meeting this experience of fear that we all have to greater or lesser degrees pretty much throughout our life. Um, it's an amazing skill. And so really all of the things that we'll be talking about in this podcast are going to be various various practices or aspects of, or perspectives, we could say from mindfulness for meeting fear skillfully and um, not getting caught in fear. Um, and one thing that's been on my mind a lot, particularly at, this, at these times that we're all having is practices of what we call resourcing. <clears throat> so really, you could even just take a moment right now or a few moments, even if there's a if you have a pen and paper handy, you do a little journaling, but just to invite or call to mind what are the places or the people or the activities that are most grounding and nourishing for you? Where are the places where you feel safe, where you feel relaxed? And can you build in time to be in those places if it's a, if it's a, a place in nature, a place in your house. It can be where you like to do your sitting practice um, or maybe it's an activity like petting your cat or your dog, playing with children, just enjoying your breathing in and out. Um, So getting intentional and conscious about what are the things that help you remember that actually in this moment you are okay. And also being aware of what are the things that tend to take you in the opposite direction, the the direction of increasing fear, and to be more aware and more conscious about how often you you can not have to be in those situations. Mm. So is fear a bad thing for us? Mm. It's It's evolutionary. We need that impulse to keep ourselves safe. It's what makes us jump out of the way of a, of a car that's out of control or even, um, mm, even a conversation that can be harmful to us emotionally. Hmm. So fear in itself is not bad. Where it makes us suffer is when we get caught up in it and we get into that kind of looping that goes on between a story about what could happen in the future. And so 
um, then we are sort of telling ourselves scary stories in our head over and over. And this actually has a negative impact on our on our body and our well-being rather than um, its basic purpose, which is to keep us safe. Mm. And that's probably more of what we would describe as when people get elevated to panicking. Yeah, panic. It's hard for me to imagine a scenario where panic is more helpful rather than less helpful. Yeah, and I think what's interesting in the circumstances we have currently is it's an evolving situation. It is a dramatic shift, a dramatic change. So any sort of dramatic change in our uh, environment or stimuli is going to invoke an emotion. And so fear is the one that's like, oh, we have to do something. Um, And I think, you know, doing something is key. That's what you're, you're, body and your mind is asking you to do. It's more of when you're in a panicky situation, you're not thoughtfully thinking through what you need to do. You're just reacting instantaneously. And very often, I mean, psychologists will tell you this. We just know it from experiences that that is very often when you're not making the most rational decisions. Yes. And also in this kind of situation, and I would even say most of the situations where we in our modern society are experiencing fear, in most of the situations, there is no imminent, immediate threat that we need to act on instantaneously. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that does happen. I mean, I just want to acknowledge that some of us in this world are in places of physical danger. So, of course, um, when there is a car coming at you, you do whatever it takes to get out of its way. Most of us, most of the time when we're experiencing fear, it's more about something that's some distance down the road, even if it's a day or a week or longer, mm-hmm. um, or fear for for our children and what all kinds of things might happen or might not happen um, in their future. So it it tends to um, trigger and be further triggered by a lot of thinking and hypothesizing about all the possible scenarios where we won't be okay. Yeah, we're we're thinking about the yeah. negatives. So so most of the time I think mindfulness is asking us not to act right away, but actually to pause and to first of all just acknowledge, recognize that fear is here. What's happening right now is fear and it's normal. It's a normal response. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with us that fear is here. So we want to recognize it and even allow the fear to be here because if we try to fight it or get rid of it or tell ourselves there's something wrong with us, as we've talked about in previous um, episodes, what we resist will persist and probably jump out some other place after we've just tried to suppress it here. Mm-hmm. So to recognize it with compassion and just to recognize the kind of ouch of it. You know, fear is uncomfortable it's kind of a painful feeling, raw, edgy. Um, so mindfulness with fear is, and this is what what I think we want to get into here with the practice, is first of all, acknowledging and really calling on our resources. There's this whole area of, of mindfulness practice of resourcing. And as I was saying earlier, putting ourselves in um, places or activities, or with people who give us a sense of reassurance, of safety, and um, other practices that we can do. One that's 
really good, I think, for fear. If I could just recommend one practice, it probably would be the body scan. And we have recorded one for this podcast. Early in the podcast, we we offered an eight-minute body scan because the body, the sensations of the body are always happening in the present moment. And if we can just take that pause and kind of pull, reel our attention back in from all those scenarios in the thinking, the hypothesizing, the proliferation of thoughts, and just direct the attention to what's happening right here, right now in the body. It's very grounding, and it can often help to dissolve the fear because we're reminded that right now the body is basically okay. And even if there are some areas of the body that are in pain or even, you know, injured or in need of treatment, it's not the entire body. Mm -hmm. And so when when we move to different places in the body, we discover that, okay, yeah, this the knee, for example, does have some pain. And just acknowledging and letting it be as it is. We're not, again, not trying to fight it or get rid of it. However, when we also touch into other places where there isn't pain, where there's actually neutral sensation or even pleasant sensation, mindfulness of breathing can be very refreshing very pleasant, or mindfulness of the air on our skin, or the air, yeah, coming to the nostrils, um, the sun, or the warmth of, or the coolness of where we are, the beauty, the, the stability of the place that we're in, the safety of it. So these are all ways that we can experience through our body that right now we're basically okay. And that is important to keep remembering because when the mind is traveling off into all these scenarios, it's as if we're putting ourselves into all these situations where we're not okay. Mm-hmm. And the body has a fear response to those to those thoughts. We'll find that our our blood pressure may be increasing, our heart may be racing, cortisol may be being circulating in our blood and so on. So in terms of reacting to the fear. Um, obviously there are activities that can be helpful, like preparing, uh, for, uh, situations where you may, might be isolated and so on, but there are probably other activities which aren't so helpful. Um, could you kind of explain maybe what your thoughts are on that? Mm -hmm. So this really goes to what, what I would give a kind of broad category of consumption, or we could say diet. And just as we know that taking in certain foods versus other foods will have a direct effect on, on how well we feel in our body, the same is true with what we take into our mind, the things that we read and how, how much of them we read, how often we read them, similarly with conversations. Um. So taking the pause, acknowledging that the fear is here and pausing to ground ourselves and remember that right now we're okay, making some space from that sense of the contraction of fear and making some room, opening up some space and some clarity and a bit of settling in the mind and the body. These are, these are primary basic um, functions and reasons why people practice mindfulness and meditation. 
So once we have that clearer space, then we can choose very intentionally, okay, what are the sources of information and advice that I want to consult to make conscious choices about um, where I go, um, where I don't go, uh, you know, how I arrange my work, how I care for my family, um, choosing the sources of information, and particularly, as I was saying about diet, the quantity. Mm. It's enough. At this point, I think, at least in, in the United States, it may be just starting out in some other countries, but here in the U.S., it's been here for a number of days. It's at a certain point where there are pretty clearly established basic guidelines for um, keeping ourselves as safe as possible from infection or spreading infection, like you know, washing our hands thoroughly and frequently, um, social distancing and various things. So we don't need to keep visiting, you know, the number of cases in our state 10 times a day to see if it's <laughs> gone up. That's probably not helpful. Or if you do it, watch what happens. Like be there for yourself as you yeah. do it. Like watch, notice, notice how it feels in your body. Notice if your jaw starts to clench <laughs> or your hands start to do something. Or notice if you go running for the ice cream <laughs> and just... So just pay attention. This practice is really about paying attention with kindness and compassion. And every time we come back to ourselves, we take the pause, we recognize and notice what's happening inside of us as we're doing whatever we're doing. We pause it, we notice how it is, and then we can choose freshly. Mm -hmm. We can always make a fresh choice and say, okay. And sometimes maybe the habit really is that strong, the fear is that strong, and it's really pushing us around pretty hard to check that, you know, that Facebook feed or whatever it is. And if it is just too hard not to, go ahead and do it and just keep noticing how it feels. And whenever you're able, try to turn towards something that's more nourishing. So, for example, yeah, less time on, on these sites, choosing the site carefully, and then really putting other things in that are nourishing, exactly like when, what we do with a real diet. We want to have food that is nourishing so we feel nourished and fulfilled and we won't have that hungry grab for the bag of chips or something. So these, the, the information world is pretty similar to that. So even among our friends, there may be friends with whom we can feel safe to, to share our fears and know that they'll be received compassionately and not um, escalated, hopefully, mm -hmm. by the other person's reaction or by them throwing a bunch of what they heard and the rumors they heard and so on. Those probably aren't going to be the nourishing conversations right now. And so we can sort of respectfully, skillfully exercise choices about, about who we spend our time with and what kinds of conversations, certainly what, um, what we do in terms of our screen time. Yeah. And I, uh, so I think the bottom line is we probably shouldn't be watching CNN 24 hours a day. Yeah. Uh, and, but have you, how about the other side of the coin on this, which is avoidance? Um, because I mm. think you, I don't think you're suggesting we avoid the problem. It's like you need to be aware and confront the problem. It's just like, how far do you go? 
Uh, there's, and it's a matter of being prepared and aware, mm-hmm. but not suggesting that, oh, everything's going to be fine. It's mm-hmm. all going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need to do anything different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I've seen the opposite reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, as uh, Barbara, as you know, I was in San Francisco for a couple months, uh, and I started seeing things change and I started seeing community spread occur there relatively early. Uh, towards the end of February. And I was not supposed to return here to Michigan until April. Uh, And I looked at the information. I personally did not want to be isolated in my relatively small apartment. I want to be surrounded by um, my friends and family and in my house. And so I made the decision to come back uh, to Michigan earlier. And I'm very glad I did because as uh, literally a week after I left, San Francisco started going into lockdown. My client actually instituted a work from home policy. So it it worked out quite well. I didn't panic. I didn't, I just saw the reality of what was occurring and I had personal choices to make uh, and um, talk to people. And it was very interesting in the beginning because most people, I would say were in a little bit of an avoidance phase. Um, They, I think in a lot of ways, couldn't imagine it, um, the United States being disrupted to the same extent as China was. Um, my view after seeing, I mean, I didn't think China would have locked down a city of 20 million people if it wasn't a big deal. Uh, so I saw, I think, the risk a little bit more clearly uh, and reacted um, in a very calm way. Uh, but some of the initial reactions were, oh, it's going to be fine. You're, you're overreacting. You're, um, you're, you're panicking. panicking. Yeah. And I was like, hmm. It was very interesting because I remember even calling you and getting your advice on it. And you were very clear. It was like, you, you need to come back. Um, and so it, you will have people who, um, that you talk to that are on the other spectrum, that mm-hmm, they're not mm-hmm. fearful. Uh, and you have to be, I think, at least in my situation, you have to have confidence and trust in yourself. Um, I think one of the reasons when I came back to Michigan, everyone was really calm and no problem. And that was about a week ago. And literally within a week, it's like panic, uh, which I thought was interesting because I think what people were reacting to were other people. They saw Mm. other people going out and buying toilet paper. So they felt like they had to go buy toilet paper. Yeah. Um, This has been discussed in in the news as well. Like this, you know, this escalating fear of watching other people do something and then you feel like you have to do it. It's a herd mentality. Totally. And again, normal, very normal. Yeah, very normal. Um, But I think what I think you have to keep in mind is you have to trust yourself, your instincts. And part of that is being mindful of and aware of exactly how you feel based on the circumstances, not based on what you see other people doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or, or choosing which people you, you, um, you talk with and listen to as you did. I mean, you, you heard a certain point of view from your office early on when they were not seeing um, any need for you to change your 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 work pattern, and then you called me as someone who you felt was um, pretty balanced and grounded, and also seeing things pretty clearly 
you know, taking in the information. So not, neither in denial nor panic. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, the kinds of friends and family members that we want to gravitate toward in these sorts of times. Yeah, and I, I mean, if you, if you cultivate mindfulness and you really are attuned to yourself, um, I, what I've learned through this practice is to trust my instincts. Uh, and my instinct from early on was I, I grew more and more concerned. And I remember waking up one morning and I have two dogs that I had taken with me, uh, to San Francisco. And what occurred was, well, what happened if I would get quarantined or if I got ill, I didn't have a support network there. I was there for work. Um, I was living in an apartment and that was what uh, really galvanized me to think about, okay, we really need to be mm-hmm. set up in a position where um, I could have a friend come over and take care of them or, mm-hmm. uh, and so on. So those are the types of things I think you really need to consider. It's a personal situation. Yeah. And you were doing it from this place, as you're saying, of, of balance, of grounding, of someone who has a practice of regularly coming back to the present moment of um, not necessarily believing every thought that flits through your head or that comes across your phone, you know, that you, you've already cultivated this, this um, coming back to the moment and making space for things and then looking at them in this, um, this clear and yeah, balanced way. Well, and I think what I also should, should note, uh, I, uh, drove out to California, so I had to drive back, obviously. Uh, and so literally on the night I left the state of California, I had a fever uh, and I had some major gastrointestinal issues. Uh, and obviously, I mean, I was knocked out for at least 12 hours in a hotel. Um, and the first thing that came to mind was, oh gosh, is this Corona virus? Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't panic. Uh, I was obviously concerned for my health. I did what was necessary. Um, and at first, once it cleared up, I was like, okay, well, it's just probably a stomach flu, nothing to be concerned about. But upon further, I did do some further investigation cause I was supposed to stop and see my father, uh, in Oklahoma. And based on uh, research, there were 4% of cases in China where, which started out as GI problems, uh, gastrointestinal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so based on that, I consulted, um, a nurse friend of mine and got his advice and then, um, subsequently decided not to stop and see my father out of an abundance of caution. Um, obviously because of lack of testing, I couldn't get testing, my symptoms cleared, um, and but I took precautions to protect um, people. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't panic. Um, yeah. It was just took action. Mm-hmm. And you also connected with with your friends, with the Resourcing. friends who exactly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah you and, let people know what was happening and how you were responding, so you weren't you weren't doing any of this in total isolation, even if you weren't physically seeing them because you were traveling across the country. But you were reaching out and connecting with what you knew you could rely on mm-hmm. as people who really can be present with you and really in the moment with what you're going through and just, yeah, be yeah. a friend. 
And, and I think the the key thing is, I mean, all of us are going to have to be abundantly cautious throughout this time to ensure even if we have a cold or um, some symptoms of sickness, um, ideally you're self-quarantining, limiting yourself to other people because the testing is just not going to be there for a bit. Um, and that's the thing I've emphasized to people is like we can write it off as a cold. Uh, even doctors... I, <laughs> My brother had an instance where um, he was exposed to someone who had flu-like symptoms, but they never got flu tests. So I was like, uh, you don't know if it was flu or not or corona, so you really need to self-quarantine. Um, and that's, I think, the the it's not panicking. It's being prudent uh, mm-hmm. and being prepared, I think, is key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in the meantime, when when none of those things are immediately happening for you, you're not having symptoms or you're not in contact with someone like that, as far as you know, and nonetheless, if the thoughts are still coming, um, a few other things that we can do to ground and to resource ourselves are, of course, the practice of mindful breathing, if breathing is a good anchor for you. And we talked in an earlier podcast about finding your anchor to help you come back to the present moment out of thoughts, whether it's thoughts of um, overreaction or, as you're also touching on, underreaction or denial and trying to kind of push away what's actually happening. Um, For many of us, breathing, mindful breathing is very helpful and grounding and centering. And in particular, one that can be helpful if we're feeling quite stressed or frightened is a technique that's called coherence breathing. Mm -hmm. And that's simply a method where we um, take a kind of matching length of time for the in-breath and the out-breath. So it might be a four-second or a five-second in-breath and a four- or five-second out-breath. We can even just kind of count to ourselves. And it doesn't have, it's not so important, you know, the number of seconds and whether it corresponds to your watch, but just roughly equalizing the in-breath and the out-breath as a way of finding a rhythm that feels soothing, that feels reassuring. And then more broadly, I would also look at other ways that particularly if now we are, if our work is disrupted or our rhythm is otherwise disrupted, um, creating new rhythms, at least for this period of time, you know, these couple weeks or months, however long it's likely to be for you. Um, If until now you've been, you know, relying on the day, the the time of day when you needed to arrive at the office or the time of day when you needed to drop off your kid at work. And now those things are different. You're perhaps not doing, you're not maybe going to your office or maybe you're not taking your child to school. And all of a sudden there's no structure to your day. Maybe you have a meeting on Zoom at 1 p.m. or something and you just have to get this other work done. So if you can, to whatever extent you can create a regular rhythm and routine, a new one Mm -hmm. for this period of time, like a a set waking time, a set breakfast time, a set time when when you sit down at your desk to do your work. Um, It's important to keep doing something physically. Like if you're not going to the gym anymore, try to create a routine in your home or your backyard or whatever it is, walking around the block, something to keep keep the body moving and keep, you know, frankly, the, the stress hormones like <laughs> circulating and let them get metabolized. And it's just, it's beneficial. These are, Dan Siegel is a psychiatrist and an expert on 
both mindfulness and neurobiology. And he often would say that when, when he would see often, I think he worked with adolescents and he would the first prescription he would write for them is, um, exercise (laughs) and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing, as I mentioned, the food that we consume, both bodily food and the food that we take in through, through the media and through our friends. Um, yeah. And just anything that helps us come back and relax, um, just to reset. And we were, we're habitual creatures. Uh, and this is a huge disruption in our, mm-hmm. our typical habits. Uh, yeah. so it's understandable. It's going to be very uncomfortable. Um, yeah. and I think the key to remember though, we will normalize. Absolutely. Um, it, t- it will take a little time. It's like any change that you have in, in life. Imagine if you were moving, uh, your house. I mean, it's obviously a very stressful event, but once you get settled, uh, you get moved into the new house, you start to become less stressed. You uh, are more settled and comfortable, mm-hmm. um, and you develop new habits and everything becomes normalized. It's, it's just going to take a little time mm-hmm. and you have to give yourself that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To take the time as, so just to kind of summarize the things we've been talking about, pause, acknowledge whatever you're feeling Try your best not to not to judge yourself or make yourself wrong for what you're feeling or for what you're thinking. Do some do some practice of breathing, of touching into the body. And then make your choices. Create r- new routines that can support you, new ways of of having some regularity in your day. And yeah, just to really take good care. And to remember as well, perhaps it's helpful just to remember other times in the past when you went through something and at the time initially it might have just felt really scary and you weren't sure how it was going to turn out and you did come through it. You did come through it and you may perhaps very likely have come out of it stronger and that this is most likely going to be the same with this and it's it's a matter of um, just taking care of ourselves and each other as we move through a time of change. Okay. Thank you, Barbara. I think that's enough time for today. Um, We very much appreciate you listening and we hope you found this very helpful. Uh, For more information, feel free to visit our website at thewaytowellbeing.com. And for more information on Barbara and how she can help you, visit barbaranewell.com. Thank you very much and have a wonderful day and be safe. During these challenging times, we're trying to do our part to help. As a teacher, Barbara provides one-on-one personal coaching to help assess and advance one's mindfulness and meditation practices. She is now offering initial consultations for free. You can go to her website, barbaranewell.com, to immediately book a time. Sessions will either be conducted via telephone or video conference. We are also exploring virtual classes and meditation sessions. Visit thewaytowellbeing.com or barbaranewell.com to sign up for our newsletter to stay informed of these developments. Lastly, if you have any ideas of other ways we can help, please contact us at the email address info at thewaytowellbeing.com. Thank you again for listening. We wish you only the best as we navigate this unique challenge.